Football Fridays here on the Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits, now with silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. 2020, being the year that it is, PK, has led to many things that we don't normally see, including Sunday Night Football going to the old uh, uh, flex card pretty early in the season. The Raiders game. The Raiders game with the Bucks was supposed to be the Sunday night game, but they swapped it out. It'll be a Sunday afternoon game on Fox now if it's we played. Hope. Yeah, right, if it's played, we hope. And now the Sunday night game is now the Seahawks undefeated playing the 4-2 and two Arizona Cardinals, which is a pretty good game in its own right. We're joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst as well. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Just adapting to change everywhere. <laughs> You're not the only one. Right, exactly. And so uh, we just brought everybody up to date on the the Raider game being swapped out of the Sunday night time slot into Sunday afternoon. But there's the question of, you know, is it going to be played? I can't imagine that you can answer that for sure. But with four starting offensive linemen and a safety on the reserve COVID list, do you kind of have, you know, an 80-20 feel about it, 60-40? I doubt you want to guarantee anything. I can't guarantee anything, but I can tell you from the information I know, here's what we're up against. Unlike other cases like the Tennessee Titans or New England Patriots, um, the NFL is is not going to give any uh, benefit to the Raiders because it was player ignorance and error. What happened was Trenton Brown, the tackle who's been placed on COVID, was found out that he wasn't wearing his uh, contact tracing bracelet. Uh, when he was at the facility and when he was exposed to uh, Damon Arnett, who also tested out positive. Now, <clears throat> the reason why that's become so significant is because the NFL has said in, in meetings and, and we're talking in the last couple of days that because your player messed up, it's not a medical reason, it was just his ignorance choosing not to wear the bracelet, now you have to take the precautions with the five other players that you're referring to. It's just a necessary precaution because they, they, they've shared the same. The NFL cannot track how much time Trent Brown spent with those guys. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So Abram and Trent Brown are pretty good friends. They're pretty tight. So that's why Jonathan Abram, the safety, was one of the ones that sent home. Obviously, with the offensive line, the four other guys in close contact, that's the reason why they were sent home. Um, and now your hope is that they won't, find about the, they won't find out about these five guys until Sunday morning. So then the, the notion came up, well, why wouldn't they just push the game back to Monday? Because the NFL has already viewed that because you had a player who was ignorant, that's going to be reviewed as a reward. You don't get a reward. So, you know, if they come back Sunday morning and they can't play, I've made the argument that I think John Gruden should treat this like a preseason game and sit there a car and just go with his backup because he's got his backup offensive line in there. I wouldn't risk my franchise quarterback on a game like this. It's only one game. It doesn't kill you. The worst you can come out is three and three, and three right? So to me, it's if you lose your franchise quarterback or you lose your quarterback to injury or something like that, some little mishap, your, your season is in jeopardy. So I wouldn't take the chance. So under this scenario, they're going to play the game. We just don't know which players will be available? Yes. They will have enough offensive linemen because that was the thing I wondered is, well, are there going to be so many offensive linemen who can't play that they can't play the game? Well, they, they do have a backup group, and they have to bring the reserves off of um, 
um, practice squad. Okay. So they literally only have seven offensive linemen, which is usually what you kind of dress. In worst-case scenario, it's eight. But you just have to survive and get through this game. So the, you say the reserve, the practice squad, is it their own practice squad, or are they looking to bring up guys uh, from other practice you squads? You wouldn't have time to get them acclimated into the offense if you brought anyone else. Okay. I know they're searching the wire, but they can't bring anybody else in and get them up to speed to play. Uh, they wouldn't know the plays. They wouldn't know the playbook. So they're using their own practice squad. So have you fitted yourself for some pads? Well, I already told them I'm available. Just, just, <laughs> I'll sign away my waiver. Just give me the minimum. I'm good. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we, we would have to stop doing our business because I would make a little bit of money. <laughs> you know, one thing when you uh, when you stop playing and you're just a year or two removed, but you you see guys playing, and you realize you know the mistakes younger players are making and all that. Right. Jeff Hornacek played for the Jazz and the Sixers and the Suns in the through the '90s in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You may remember him. And so he retired in Utah. And he's very popular here. He'd been here you know seven years or whatever it was. And I saw I saw him probably like a year and a half after he retired, and he said he was in a pickup game with NBA players, and he right? was crushing them. He <laughs> says I was hitting shots. I was, and I'm like, what did I retire for? He says they could not guard me. And he says the next morning I got up, and I remembered exactly why I retired. My knees True were story. killing they, look, I already relived that. You know, in 2007, I, I got myself back in shape. I thought, you know what, I could go back and help the team. I was convinced into playing a year of arena ball, which was, uh, you know, commend the guys who do it. I just couldn't do it. It was so far from what I was used to. Uh, and I felt after every game why I quit in the first place. So I would give it, you know, I would go out for the old, old, old club for the Raiders and give it a try. And, I, shoot, I'd move as much as, and, and more than Trent Brown typically does when he's out there. So I know I could be a better man than somebody else out there. <laughs> So with the guys who didn't do what they're supposed to do, is it just a situation of just a temporary uh, ignorance or negligence or what? Well, again, the only ignorance befalls onto Trent Brown because he wasn't wearing the contact bracelet. So when you enter the facility these days, they've got this bracelet that everybody has to put on, and it shows it, it shows how long you've been in contact with someone else. It you know has their name attached to it. So for example, if you, we were working together in the studio and we had to wear those bracelets, it would show how much time we spent in the studio with one another, or how much time we spent around one another, and it allows you to trace to see who might be exposed to the possible virus. The fact is, like with the offensive line, the way they do in the NFL, the starting offensive line group, which is five guys, and the coach meets in one room, the reserves and a coach meet in another room. They keep them separate just in case something like this happens. So the reason why the four offensive linemen were sent home, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, um, Denzel Good, and uh, Colton Miller, the reason why they were sent home is because they were part of Trent Brown's group. And so they have to go through the five days of COVID protocol to become eligible to play again. That means they have to have five days uh, consistently of a negative test. Uh, Jonathan Abram went home because they know that through, through the history, they know that Abram, the safety, and Trent Brown were close friends. They, they did a lot of things together. So, again, he went home on a precautionary tale that he has to have the five days of COVID test uh, negative as well. So the only thing I know of John Gruden is what I saw with all the faces he made on the sideline when he was coaching, the Monday Night Football mm-hmm. booth, and the quarterback mm-hmm. interviews he did for ESPN, which were always excellent. But I just picture him in the middle of a locker room not right now. Where you bleeping bracelets, you bleep, and he making yeah. faces. He's just His head's got to be exploding over this. Without a 
without a doubt. I mean, the fact is that it comes on the heels of the bye. This would have been better served, say, if it happened last week at the same time rather than this week. The conundrum that the Raiders are under is just how do you proceed forward? You, you, they've said all the right things. The coach is, well, we've got to move forward. Next man up, the show guys go on, must go on. But the NFL didn't do him any favors by taking him off a Sunday night and moving him to Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. So literally the time, time cycle goes like this, guys. The, the guys can't get cleared. The, the players that we're talking about can't get cleared until 8 a.m. Sunday morning. The game is at 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon. So they're literally, since Wednesday, they have done nothing. They've been isolated. They have not worked out. They have not gotten treatment. They can't do anything because they have to stay isolated for those five days and negative tests. Somebody goes to their home, tests them, and that's how they, that's how they get. But they have to stay isolated. They can't go to a gym or anything like that. So they've literally been sitting on their tails for five days straight prior to this game. That's why I'm saying you have to treat it like a preseason game. In your study of the opponent, which is the Buccaneers, have you noticed any form of slippage in Tom Brady? No. But at the same point, with him getting older, the arm strength isn't there like it once was 20 years ago. That's to be obvious. But this is not a team, you know, there's been so much focus on the Buccaneers about their offense and the playmakers in their offense, and rightfully so. This, this is a team that's led, that's led by its defense. This young, feisty defense that Todd Bowles has, aggressive defense, is, I think, second in sacks in the league, uh, second in, in yards given up on the ground, like with 70 average per game. Um, so this is a defense-led team, and they're going to be aggressive. Tom Brady will get his, you know that, but it's not like he's going to strike up the he's, – he's not Patrick Mahomes right now currently. He's not going to throw that many touchdowns. or have the, that's, that's not their game plan. This is a defense-led team. So the question is, who do people believe in as Super Bowl teams coming out of the NFC? The Seahawks 5-0 and obviously have a ton of credibility. The Packers at 4-1 and have a ton of credibility. But then you're looking at the 5-1 and Bears, the 4-2 and Bucks. Uh, the four and two Cardinals and Rams are, are any of these teams really on the same tier as the Seahawks and Packers? Because they're right in public perception, but when you you know put on that ex NFL hat and you look at the the video, what do you see? Well, the the Seahawks have the number one offense in the league, and so they can score a lot of points and they can keep pace with you, even though their defense is poor. So that, I think that's that. I think they're there. They're they're a team that's capable of going a long way. If you learned anything about the not the 49ers, the Packers uh, last week when they played the the, the the Bucks, you saw the fact that the same thing that hampered this team in the NFC Championship game still came true. Todd Bowles brought a lot of what we call pinch blitzes, where they had outside guys because they they know the Packers like to run a lot of pay, play action, boots type of stuff, and it totally neutralized Aaron Rodgers. That was the same thing that hurt them in the, in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. Plus the offensive line once uh, once their left tackle went down couldn't stop a, a breeze so you, I, I still I'm going to put the Bucks ahead of the Packers and I think the Bucks are a legitimate team but like I said based on that defense and that offense with the, the uh, you know Brady at the captain doesn't make a lot of mistakes so they're going to be in more games than they're going to be out I think the, the Cardinals are an up-and-coming team but I still think they're a year away the NFC is so turbulent and, and I don't give a mu- as much credit to the Bears, even though their defense is lights out, because I just don't trust Foles down the line. Um, so the, the hierarchy of the pecking order is going to be, is going to be hard to determine until we get probably about week nine, because uh, then by that time you'll have a total proof of product of what you're dealing with. You talk about playing the backup. That's Marcus Mariota with the Raiders. But how, or Nathan what Peterman. Type? Or Peterman, yeah. The, I'm just looking at their depth chart, and they list yeah. Mariota. Uh, but these backup dudes without any – uh, preseason games, 
what type of uh, pl- not necessarily playing shape, but just being able to come in and and play and be effective? Because I, I would imagine they're they're not getting a lot of reps. You know, the whole my whole argument about playing the backups or treating it like a preseason is just to get through it. I'm not looking to, you know, like I said, the worst case scenario for me if you do it that way is that you lose the game. You you're three and three after six games, uh, 500. That's not bad. Um, it's not great, but it's not bad. But the alternative is if you're forced to start your backup line because well, you just don't feel comfortable about the guys who are sitting down, you don't want to risk them. Because you think about this, guys, you don't have any workouts, you don't have any practice, you had guys who were literally sitting on their couch for five days, and then you go out there, you go out there and ask them to play an NFL game less than four hours later when they come back to the facility. I mean, being realistic, there's, there's a true risk of injury right there, you know, uh, whether it's soft tissue or otherwise. And I don't want to risk losing my quarterback. Playing backup offensive line in front of my starting quarterback, if he goes down, the season is, is pretty much lost. So it's, you're really damned if you do, damned if you don't, the way you look at it. But it's, it's just one of those unfortunate situations because one player chose not to wear his tracking bracelet. The NFL protocols come in, and a, show, a true show of irresponsibility on his part has affected his whole team. It is an NFC game, so although it's a loss, there's no tiebreakers involved. And after this, it's four straight AFC games. It's right. not just that, it's the Browns, and then it's three divisional games. Right. So as far as not wanting to get anyone beat up, the stakes, I mean, every NFL game matters, but Certainly. the stakes are about to get higher in the next month. Well, that's, that's why, you know, this thing, when it first dropped on Wednesday, guys, it kept me up for a while because I'm like, what are you going to do? I, wanted, I mean, I've always been analytical like that. I'm thinking to Gruden, what do you do? What do you do in a situation? If you got to play the scenario of worst case happens, what do you do? And even if you do get all these guys back because you're not getting them back to Sunday morning, you know, it would be different if they, if, if they move the game to Monday. But after talking with NFL officials and figuring out why they wouldn't move the game to Monday, it, it's like this is the only logical thing that I think you can do. Now the problem becomes, you know, a guy like Derek Carr or, or John Gruden, they're, because they're so competitive, they're just like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it, we'll figure it out. And I think that's the wrong attitude to have. Don't stick out your chest with pride. I need you to be realistic and logical. What's the true thing that can happen if you choose to proceed? In the last couple of years, you know, quarterback obviously is always the attention and it gets a lot of the focus and talk. And I've been saying that I felt like, you know, we list the top quarterbacks. We know who they are. But I always felt like Russell Wilson was on the – periphery of that list even though i felt like he wasn't getting his due i felt like he belonged when you list the best quarterbacks in the nfl okay i think he's right there i mean mahomes we know what he is but then everybody else i thought wilson should be in that category is this the season if it goes as it's been going that we really see in terms of recognition widespread that russell wilson really is as big time as big time gets when you, when you look at the, the sort of order uh, as it proceeds, you tend to equate, you know, the best with the, the best records, uh, championships, long playoff runs, so on and so forth. Well, you know, for Russell's pedigree, he's been a part of all that. The, the problem is, is that there have been other guys over the past couple of years that have just put up such stellar numbers that you couldn't ignore. I mean, you think about last year, Lamar Jackson, what he was doing. It's not that Russell Wilson had a bad year. It's just that Lamar Jackson's numbers were so much better for what they were doing. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. And then the year before was Patrick Mahomes, and you couldn't ignore what he was doing because, I mean, he was just tearing down everybody's offenses and stuff like that. So, I mean, all these things that go. But I, to answer your point, I do think this is a year where Russell Wilson is going to get his, his fair share. Now, I will say this. Um, about the, and it doesn't have anything to do with Russell Wilson per se, but I think it's a huge mistake if they go after Antonio Brown, if they put him on that roster because I just don't trust his mental ability. I don't. Right. And 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 I hate to say that about you know somebody not being a, but he has shown through whether it's on field or off field, his discretions have torn up teams in places that he's been. And I just don't understand why, if you're the number one offense already in the league, why you feel that you need to bring in somebody. Tremendous talent when he acts right. But can you guarantee to me that he's going to act right? And that, that to me, can affect a quarterback's MVP candidacy or run, if you know what I mean. Are yeah. you okay with the Chiefs bringing in Le'Veon Bell for the same reasons? Le'Veon Bell was, was a little, in, in my mind, a little bit different because right now they don't have to play Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell has been a disruption in the locker room, obviously, with Pittsburgh and New York, but it's hard to really gauge off of the Jets because the Jets are a disaster. I felt that he was ousted out of uh, Pittsburgh because he handled it poorly about wanting to become a free agent. The way if, if, if I, and, and here's the thing. If I'm Le'Veon Bell, and I guess you can make the same argument for Antonio Brown, but if I'm Le'Veon Bell and I'm going into this situation, I make this offense stronger. And Andy Reid has said, you know what, you're not the main guy. You're just a backup row, a utility man, and we're going to use you accordingly. I've got my money, and I'm just trying to get, if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm just trying to get through this season to go to the free agency, to test the market, to see what I can get. I, I, I am going to be right, uh, and we'll see how it goes. They're terrible, and they lost. So is it funny that Daniel Jones tripped and fell, or can they not oh joke gosh. about that in the Giants' locker it, it room? Just, it, when it rains, it pours. It's it's so funny when I watched it last night. I, I was actually drinking some drinking some water because I was coming through the airport, and I was watching it on my phone, and I spit out my water because it was so funny. You don't see that typically in the pros. But, um, you know, out of the New York programs, guys, the, the, Jets are, the Jets are a disaster. The Giants have some hope and maybe some, some vision or some leadership, even though I don't know how they're going to proceed forward. But, the NFC East in a whole is a joke, is a mockery to football because, you know, those teams that played that, that poorly, it was an interesting game because they made it close at the end, but uh, it, was, it was so funny. It was just hilarious. He's Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. Uh, a couple weeks from now, we will be talking Pac-12 with you, Lincoln. We're looking Woo-hoo. forward to that. Thanks, guys. It's been All a pleasure. Right. Thanks, Lincoln. Lincoln Kennedy, joining us every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.